0: Thank you for tuning into politics or lifting the whiskey. The Josh Terry podcast, part of our Raising Great Studios. want to give a big shout out to Gridiron Coffee, one of our sponsors this month. Uh, Straight Haggard Thread Company, those lids y'all sent me were sick. Thank you. Uh, Par Hopper, Proud 90 Golf, uh, Williams Tire Noble Networking, Red Circle, our management company. Thank you to all the corporate sponsors. Shout out to Drizzly, the alcohol delivery service, that just came on board to sponsor the show for the month of September. Uh, You'll be hearing this ad run during this show. Matter of fact, Um, I always try to find unique people to come on the show, different perspectives. And the lady I got for y'all today is a badass, incredibly funny, but she's also a lawyer. So, Lisa, usually when I have to speak to lawyers, it's not a good thing. This time, it's a good thing. So, uh, I would like to introduce y'all to Miss Rachel. Uh, How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with me for a little bit.
1: Of course. I'm thank you for having me. I'm honored.
0: Uh I don't know if it's an honor yet or not. <laughs> we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh start sure by, stop by, getting tongue tied of there. Start by dropping your uh social media handles first.
1: Oh Lord, I'm mad at this. Like I'm, I, would s I'm like I I can't believe I'm a TikToker still. Um so my TikTok handle is rach r-a-c-h r-e-s-e and then the number three and then my instagram is rach period e period
0: r-e-s-e which is
1: not how my last name is spelled but you know trolls out there so hopefully they're not smart enough to figure that out
0: i don't think if i was you i'd have my real name on anything anyway you actually have a real fucking job
1: yeah well you'd be surprised people uh I did have one person reach out to my office that was not nice, but besides that, I have not run into too many issues, so I'd like to keep it that way, hopefully.
0: Somebody reached out to your office.
1: Oh, yeah. They were like, I would never hire someone that's on TikTok making dances, and it was in the very, very beginning, and so I had to tell my managing partner, I was like, hey, by the way, (laughs) I started this TikTok, and he was like, just don't be an asshole.
0: (laughs) I I honestly think from a business standpoint, it's genius.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree.
0: I think for marketing, you're, you're reaching out to a lot of people that's going to make you like the cool attorney, the cool lawyer.
1: Well, I would say I already was, but I will agree with you on that.
0: There's a guy where we're from. His name's, uh, his name's Mike Constello. He has the absolute worst commercial you've ever seen in your life. He's a defense attorney. I mean, they're I'm fucking talking. horrible. There's like him rapping on there. More Caucasian than I am, but he, you can tell what his demographic is that he's trying to reach, and it's like, you fucking asshole, this is so racist. But people love him around here. Like it's it's the weirdest thing.
1: It's probably. I mean, I don't know how many other options they have, but it might be because of that.
0: <laughs> well, that's, you, you got a point. When you come from Middle Georgia, there's really not anything like.
1: That. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm not hating on Georgia.
0: I said that. Them Florida folks. Y'all are Florida folks. You can't hate on us anyway.
1: Very true. My dad lives in Georgia, too, so I feel like it's like a second home anyway.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, uh, let's start off with uh, what got you into uh, wanting to be an attorney?
1: Well, many would say I was arguing the day I was born. That's what my mother would say. But, um, honestly, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer when I was playing high school. I watched every law criminal show that ever was around. And I just was super intrigued, but I did not want to do criminal law. I wanted to do family law. My parents got divorced when I was in high school. It was not the best circumstances at first, not for me, but for my younger sister. So I was like, oh my gosh, I want to fight, you know, for the kids and be their voice. So literally from the 10th grade on, I knew I was going to law school. I had no idea how, how I would get there, how I would get through it. But I did, and then somehow I ended up in criminal defense, and I never looked back.
0: You said you went to Florida State, right?
1: I did. I went to Florida State for my undergrad, and then I went to Stetson University College of Law for law school.
0: How old are you, if you don't mind me
1: asking? I am 31. I am a I am young for my grade, is what I used to say. I graduated high school at 17, college 21, law school 24.
0: So, uh, small world. One of my real good friends graduated from Florida State and is an attorney at the same time you did. Uh, Brian Elkins. I don't know if you would know who Brian Elkins is or not.
1: Normally, to be polite, I would say, wow, that name sounds really familiar. And I would have no idea. No, but the name actually sounds familiar, but I have no fucking idea. I can't like.
0: He went to kick. He was a kicker for Florida State. He went to high school with me. And uh, I think he ended up saying that he with football and focus on law? Well,
1: I'm going to have to look him up after this.
0: Seems like y'all have been around the same, uh, same whatever. So how did you go okay. from family law, family law to uh, criminal defense?
1: Um, it's kind of a weird story, but I feel like it's a good, I always tell people, I'm like, this is a very good lesson to not keep your options closed. You want to be as open-minded as possible. I had a, a friend in law school. She was a year older than me. She was like considered my mentor, even though she fucking hated law school. Um, she also went to Florida State with me. She was a cheerleader. I have no idea why she went to law school. I love her to death. She actually lives in Atlanta and she doesn't practice anymore, <laughs> but she had an internship at my law firm. And when she graduated, she was studying for the bar exam and her boss would not let her work. So they were trying to fill her position and she told me to to apply. It was paid. I had nothing going on that summer. So I figured why not? It's it's experience might be kind of cool. I went and I got interviewed. The first question that they asked me is, how would you feel if you were told your client chopped someone's head off? And I just looked at him and I told him that would be freaking awesome. And I I did not get hired, actually. Um, They hired someone else first. She actually declined. And then they hired me afterwards. I didn't know this for like several years later. And then I just kind of fell in love with it that summer. I became super close with these two federal clients that I worked with. And I realized that they were more helpless than the children I thought I wanted to help in family law. So I just really enjoyed it. And they asked me to stay. And I literally never left. That was eight and a half years ago.
0: When you say more helpless, can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Sure. And I don't mean helpless like in the normal sense of the word. Normally, you would think like for a child, they are not they are not adults. They can't make their own decisions. They're relying on other people. Defendants that I represent are already in prison. They've already been convicted. They, A lot of them don't have family. They have people that are helping them find lawyers and pay for lawyers because I am private, so they have to hire me. I don't just do it for free, except for some cases, but... Nobody really wants to help them. And it's really not a, a very large field. There's only a few attorneys in at least Florida that do what I do. So it is a very difficult job because you also don't win a lot. So again, no lawyer wants to do a job. They know they're, they have a very low chance of winning. They're helping people that the world doesn't normally look favorably on. And so a lot of these guys are just in there with not really much going for them. And I am their sense of hope. So when I say helpless, I mean, Without me, they would literally have nobody to fight for them.
0: So you are, uh, I guess with these people, you are doing like appeals and other things like that.
1: Yeah, so I do appeals and I also do post-conviction. So I argue a lot of ineffective counsel. So I have a lot of enemies that are attorneys in the state of Florida. But it's okay because I wouldn't have enemies if they would do their jobs. And I think that just means I'm doing a good job. So.
0: What's it like to defend somebody that you know is guilty? Like that you have to be like the bad guy.
1: So I just had this conversation with a law enforcement friend of mine today that lives in North Carolina because we, one of my clients is in a gang that he's dealing with right now. And so he was like, okay, you need to tell me the ins and outs. And he asked me the same question. And a lot of my clients tell me straight up that they're guilty because I'm like, you need to be as honest with me as possible. I cannot help you. I'm not trying to get them out of, you know, I'm not trying to get them out saying they're innocent. If I know they're guilty, I'm never going to go to court and say that they're not guilty. But I am going to argue for their constitutional rights because at the end of the day, we all have the same rights. And if they're not upheld, then why do we have a constitution in the first place? So I I don't look at it as I'm the bad guy. I actually look at it as the state attorney or the US attorney is the bad guy because if they didn't do their job, that's not my problem. They have to do their job. And if they don't prove their case, then they're the ones that should feel bad because they let a guilty person go free. Or if I can prove that they did a bad job, then a guilty person goes
0: free. I bet most but- defense attorneys are hate Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could, yeah. just, I could just see that. It just, but I know me, I would want to be a criminal defense attorney. Why? I don't know. There's some, I like gangs. And it just seems like you're a gangster.
1: you like gangster shit.
0: I, I like old mafia stuff. And it just seems like you are mafia. It, I mean, really, it does.
1: Well, I am, but not everybody is. So, I mean, I, my clients look at me as their friends. When anybody listens to me talk to them on the phones, I, for example, I was in Oklahoma earlier this year and I was a bunch of girlfriends that I met through TikTok and I had a phone call with one of my clients. I had a phone call with a couple of clients, a couple of different demographic. There were different demographics, different races, and they could not believe the change when I would speak to them because I have to, I have to relate to them and they treat me like I am their best friend. So I would say that I'm a gangster because I can do that and they all love me, but I don't think a lot of attorneys are like that. A lot of defense attorneys are assholes and they do it for the money and then they screw their clients over, which is why I have a job because I'm like, okay, I'm coming for you, sir or ma'am.
0: Uh, a bunch of them, I would guess, take the case, so when they're going to lose or whatever. They don't really have a conscience about it. They do the least amount of work I guess possible to get to court or get the plea, and then go on about their business once they get paid.
1: Yep, pretty much.
0: the you, you, you've got to have mafia.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, you can tell. No, I know. It's uh, I got a DNA test, and I was the first thing that came up.
0: Gotti, John Gotti. Mm-hmm. Uh, what got you into doing TikToks, then? Because it sounds like you're just successful as shit in real life. You usually don't find people that are already super successful being like, "Oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make an ass out of myself on TikTok."
1: Are you saying I make an ass out of myself? No, I'm just I kidding. I totally. I I, do, I, uh, I you. know I do. I love it. <laughs> I, I do make an ass of myself though, because I'm I. That's kind of why I did it. So I actually it was kind of on accident. Uh, like you said I'm 31. I'm almost 32. Last year during COVID, my younger sister came down after being stuck in her tiny apartment in New York city for two months with COVID. So she drove down with her boyfriend and she stayed with us for like two weeks. One day we're like drunk by my pool, not working, enjoying COVID, which looking back, we all took major advantage of that. And she was like, have you seen this app? It's so funny. I was like, I'm not 16 years old. I've seen that. My friend's children dance on that. That is weird. She, she, was like, actually, no, it's changed because of COVID. A lot of older, like young adults and, you know, middle-aged adults have taken it up. And she was like, we should just download it and watch. We started watching a couple, the drink started flowing and I was like, fine, let's make one stupid video. So I had bought a suit before COVID happened, this pink pantsuit, which was totally me. And I never got to wear it because I couldn't go to court. So it was hanging in my closet and we just, I saw this badass transition Um, and she filmed it for me, which is hilarious. We posted it that night and my, I'll never forget my cousin, who was a student at university of Connecticut. She calls my sister like an hour later and she goes, Jordan, your sister's going viral. (laughs) And I was, I'll never forget. I was making like tacos. It was literally Tuesday. I'll never forget it. And I was like, what does that even mean? I goes, I posted like an hour ago. And she goes, you have a million views in one hour. She was like, Half of my class just sent me this video because they know you're my cousin and what is happening. So by the next morning, I like started drinking. I, we like blacked out because I, I was like, this is weird. So the next morning I had 3 million views and I had several thousand followers by that point. So it just kind of accidentally started like that. And I just kept making videos. I would make them every couple of days. And then I started making them every day. And then eventually I realized that people liked the fact that I was a lawyer, and they started asking me questions, and I just kind of ran with that, and that is when I realized there was a very lack, there's a serious lack of information on the internet, or at least relatable information for people to educate themselves if they want to become an attorney, so I just kind of ran with it, and here we are.
0: That's cool. So did that lead you into wanting to start your own podcast?
1: <laughs> you know, I the world is a very interesting place. You know, the universe, I've never been a believer of like the universe puts things in front of you when you need it. I've just never been like that until this year. Uh, I had a best friend in law school. We had a serious falling out. Long story short, I'm sure she'll listen to this eventually. I love you. One of my other best friends married her ex-fiance. All right, so and be- I, okay. So the girl I did the podcast with was engaged
0: okay.
1: and they broke up. And then one of our other best friends ended up marrying him. Oh, okay. All of, us, all of us went to law school together. So I stayed friends with the married couple because I wanted to be friends with everybody. And so we just kind of had like a little. We just kind of grew apart at that point for a long time. And over the last year, people have asked me to do a YouTube channel. I, I kind of started one, but I just didn't have the time for it to manage it on my own. So I kind of let that fall through the cracks. People have asked me to do a podcast. I was like, absolutely not. I have no time to do that. So out of nowhere, when I was going through a, a difficult time in my life, literally had not spoken to her in five years. She calls me one day. She was like, are you okay? I was like, no. So we went out on a Sunday. We did Sunday fun day. And by the end of the day, uh, her girlfriend was like, you guys are hilarious together because she does exactly what I do, but her clients are on death row. Oh. And she is the, yeah. Yes. Yep. So (laughs) she was like, you guys should do a podcast. You guys are the most opposite human beings, but you're also the same because we deal with things like she's very hippie. and I'm not. And she, we have the same brain. We have like the same drive and like the love for our clients is, it was just kind of crazy. And she she threw it out there and alcohol was involved. And we we just like, fine, fucking do it. The next day, I was like, "We're not gonna do it," and she's like, "Oh, I already reserved us a space to go record on Wednesday." So then we did it,
0: and here we are. How many episodes have you done?
1: So we've only done two. We did it. We did the first one. It did. I feel like it did pretty well. And then we did the second one. So our second episode, the place where we recorded, fucked up our audio, and they lost it when they uploaded it. So that was awesome. So thankfully, I had been recording it on my like vlogging camera. And we were able to get it, but it wasn't the best quality. So the fact that we're lawyers too, life got a little bit busy. So we're working on the third one right now.
0: I, oh, I'm going to have to go listen to it. I'm, I'm going to have to go. I should have listened to them beforehand. But uh, I always like to get to know somebody or not know shit about you until I actually do this. It is no, it's away good. Some, it's it's take good. Away some of the fun of it.
1: Yeah, I mean the our podcast is very real. I feel like I'm talking a lot about alcohol, but I mean it just is the ro- it is the rawest form of both of us, and we just we just talk shit, and we have we have different beliefs. We have the same beliefs.
0: The name of the show is Politics, Whiskey, and Whiskey. I named it for all the shit I got fired for in country radio. So you can never talk about alcohol enough. We do most of our shows. I'm on like on a 125 in shows, and Half of them probably been shitface. I don't even remember half of them.
1: One twenty-five, goddamn.
0: Well, I worked in country radio until September the tenth last year. I got fired for standing up for some police officers and telling Antifa to go kiss my ass and some more things. They fired me on the spot. So a year
1: uh, from tomorrow.
0: Yeah, and it's it is my birthday. I got fired on my birthday last year.
1: Tomorrow's your birthday.
0: Yeah. I had a uh, I had the number one country show in the state of Georgia. And they fired me because pretty much I I didn't fit their mold. Like they hired me to be a person. I was very good at that, it's me. And then they fired me for it. And I started my show and opened my studio October the first last year. That was episode yeah. one. So But this is my life. Like this is what we do. We got sponsors and everything. We've got a lot of shit that takes care of my bills. Like this is all I do. I'm
1: going to take some notes, clearly, uh I'm working my ass off all day long, every day, still.
0: Yeah, I promise you, your 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 bank account prettier than mine. I'd much rather do what you do than there's no way you defending these these, uh, these degenerates like myself that you ain't getting paid well.
1: I mean, I do get paid well. Somebody asked me the other day if it's worth it for the amount of time. I will say yes, but I think you know it's very easy to get burnt out because it is a con. I mean, you're never turned off. So imagine doing that. Then taking on TikTok, then taking on a podcast. I want to jump off the 24th floor of my building. Just kidding, but you know.
0: I don't blame you. That's what I was saying. All you don't usually see successful people do a TikTok. Nothing against you, but it's just they don't have the time. Like they just do not have the time to do it.
1: But I will say, so that's one of the reasons why I think that I've been successful is I'm just raw and I'm real. Like I don't edit that shit. I don't. People are like, oh, like what editing software do you use? I'm like my phone I literally just record it I don't even watch it again and I just post it I don't care and I just don't like I don't plan it out because it's not I post when I want I don't have a manager for that reason because I don't want to feel obligated like Monday my friend I have a friend that has millions of followers and her manager has her on Mondays she has has to post by 10 a.m 3 p.m and 7 p.m and every day there are times I'm like fuck no absolutely not my shit is solely to be funny. Be an outlet. Make people laugh. Make people cry. Make people like lawyers. I don't know. I don't think anybody. Not that.
0: that. I just don't like y'all have the worst hated profession ever.
1: I know. Until TikTok. Until TikTok.
0: I don't know. Y'all are still fucking worse than this. Like, I think TikTok I is up there.
1: but. I don't know. I think cops might be worse.
0: Really?
1: I like Cop, too, dude, like, people hate. I love cops. And that's weird coming from a a criminal defense lawyer, but I do. And I wish more people understood that. That's another thing I try to promote a lot is, you know, we all have to work together.
0: But. Do you take a lot of like, instead of going to court, like a lot of plea deals?
1: So all my clients have already taken plea deals by the time they come to me. But if I can get a client a plea deal in my, like at my stage, fuck yes. I tell them they have got to take it. Because. At my level, the chances of being successful are literally less than 5%. It's actually less than 1%. And so if I can guarantee them a win by getting a reduced sentence, like for example, I will file a motion and I'll say that somebody's lawyer was ineffective because they didn't call these five witnesses. If I can go to the prosecutor before we go to court for that, I'll say, listen, I'm about to kick your ass. This case is about to get blown wide open. It's 10 years old good luck getting going back to trial because they have to go back to a new trial. If we win, I'm like, let's just give the guy 10 years. I'm like, he's already done eight. He's got one more. And they'll say, okay, sometimes not all the time, but most of my wins are that. So people are like, how can you do this? I'm not trying to get a lot of them out free. A lot of them have done a lot of time in prison. So, but yes. I like, I like to go to court. So
0: have you, that's what I was going to ask you. Have you ever, had to actually go to court and argue text, a text in front jury and everything, jury trial?
1: No, so I don't do jury trials. Um, even when my clients win, so I've had clients that have had life sentences. We have gone to a hearing, like on a motion for ineffective counsel. I have won that motion hearing, so then their sentence gets vacated and their case gets opened up. So Then they are literally back in jail waiting to go to a new trial. Most of them will take a deal because they're like, oh God, I just want to be done. I just want to go home but I've had several clients that say, fuck that. I've been in prison for 12 years already. I'm not going to go and be a a felon when I didn't do this. And so then they go back to trial. So then at that point they would either have to hire my law partner who does like state trial cases, or they'd have to go to the public defender or hire somebody else. And I will say that the three clients I've had that have actually gone back to trial have all been found not guilty. And I have sat there I haven't been like the attorney, the, the first chair, but I have assisted because, of course, it's my baby at that point. I'm like, if you fuck it up, I will kill you because I just got this kid a new trial, and if you mess it up, I swear to God, I will need my own lawyer. Um, so no, but I go to court all the time because I, I have to get them to that point. But I don't go in front of juries.
0: That's got to be like <laughs> the best feeling ever to get somebody who actually didn't do something that's been in prison forever. And all. That's got to be so emotionally gratifying that. It's- most
1: of the will. yeah I literally like I have videos I have videos of me telling my clients nobody's ever caught the moment where I found out that I won because it's normally just like so like random I get like an email and I'm like holy shit what or I'm driving and I have to pull over because I'm like crying but it's so emotionally like I don't want to say exhausting it's like fulfilling that I take a day off I can't focus on anything else I try to get in touch with them right away I will call their prison. I'm like, if you don't let me talk to them right now, I will have your ass. I will call Tallahassee. I will give them your name and you'll be fired. But they normally will let me because I'm like, they're going home. So I try to, I try to record their reactions. My, my firm's website, we have a couple of them up there. And they're, they're super emotional. I watch them when I'm having like really bad days. And I'm like, okay, I got to remember there are good times in this job. Where are they?
0: I love watching they? this stuff. All that kind of shit. That's it. Yeah. It's really cool. I, I kind of, I mean, I do. I do admire somebody like you that would go back and be like, okay, this person, they're not guilty. They got a raw deal. So many people to get fucked by our forces. Oh
1: my God. It's terrible. Florida's terrible. terrible. I'm sure Georgia's the same.
0: I, I don't know. Probably just as bad, not worse. I feel like I just got done watching a documentary. oh never mind it was like Stephen Avery (laughs) yes
1: when I watched the first season of that I will never forget because I don't I used to not this is so funny because it's funny that I have a TikTok now and I'm so open about my job because for a long time like where I grew up was very conservative Um, almost every male friend that I went to high school with is law enforcement Still lives in our little town where I grew up And I was, like, kind of worried that they would all, like, judge what I did, and a lot of them do. But, so I remember when that first season came out, I binge-watched it in one day, and I went on Facebook, and I was like, oh, my fucking God. I was like, this is what I do for my job. I am those guys. This is so screwed up. My opinion has changed as, like, the seasons have gone on, but I do think the process failed them. I do think that he's guilty as fuck,
0: Oh, (laughs) that's They, they manipulated the footage for Netflix so
1: far. Oh, yeah. So bad. Yeah, so man. bad. And then... The,
0: the people that think that he's uh, innocent are the people that only watch the Netflix documentary.
1: Or only watch the first one and oh, then did yeah. no research ever again. The second one, even, I was like, why why, why did we do this? The second one is never as good as the first one. It's just not. It's not.
0: That, that dude was... That is straight
1: up... Mm-hmm. But that... Happens all the time. Those, but it is what it is. I do, that's like, I, I do like a little, a little mini series on my TikTok. I talk about big cases like that. Like I talked about Bill Cosby. Um, I talk about Casey Anthony, people who were found not guilty, who you totally knew were guilty, but the way that they charged them was not the right way. So, like, they would have done a better job.
0: What's your take on the case? <laughs> um,
1: so I was in college when that happened, and I was actually dating a guy who was friends with all her friends. Oh, see. my sister lived. Yeah, my sister lived down the street from her, so I didn't watch the trial on on TV because I remember I was a bartender during the day at this pizza place, and people would be like, "Turn it on," and I was just like, "Y'all are fucking so lame, being so obsessed with this girl." Um, so my professional opinion is that the jury got it right. I just think that the state, the way that. They just made it so emotional, and the, the reason that they said that she, you know, did it—she wanted to go out and party—was just so unbelievable, in my opinion. Like shit, Homegirl did not need to kill her baby because she wanted to go out. No, I think that they should have argued something else. But I think that the real thing that hurt them was the fact that they—the body was so decomposed by the time that they found it that they could not really prove what happened. But I totally think that she had something to do with it. I don't know if she was by herself. I definitely think that she had something to do with it. But I, there's. I also think that other people could have been involved, but she definitely doesn't.
0: her dad did. Her yep. dad did. I heard that one hundred percent fucking involved in it.
1: Oh and yeah. A hundred percent.
0: There's no fucking chance that he's not Yeah. I, I hate that they expect you to like you're that they think like everyone's so stupid. That we I know see right fucking through
1: it. And that's why I didn't understand and that's what sucks though, that you know, you you ask yourself the prosecutors who handled that case which is funny because I know them now. I know those people and I want to ask them one day I want to say when you realize that it wasn't just her you must have felt really shitty because at that point you can't change the narrative. That's why the problem with those cases is that they create this narrative so early on and they can't go back and fucking change it because then they have started this whole, so this whole media outrage what, what her whole case was there has got to be a point when they realized that it was not just her and that they had messed up, but they had to go with it because the whole world was watching.
0: So, so what you for me to understand that when you start a narrative, you cannot change it halfway through.
1: Yeah. So okay, I'm um, gonna give you an example.
0: Okay.
1: I have a client. He's one of my favorite clients. I talk about him all the time on videos because he's hot as fuck. When I met him, I literally was like, I literally like gasped
0: out loud, and he was like, Are, are, are you I the like, lawyer that likes the bad boys?
1: Yes and no. No. I have never been attracted. I've never been like, I would never be like, oh, I would hook up with a client. Absolutely not. This is the only client that I was, there's maybe like two or three clients that I was like, oh, you're attractive. I was not attracted to them. But this kid, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, you look nothing like your photo. Who are you, sir? Um, And his case was fascinating to me because. Okay. They state attorney's office. And this is funny because it's actually the same state attorney that was Casey Anthony's state attorney. Same place, Orlando. He was accused of sitting in a car with this kid and shooting him point blank in the temple, blowing his fucking brains out. And their whole theory was that he did it for this bigger guy that was a drug dealer. It was just him. He had these two friends that drove him there and they sat lookout. But that's not what fucking happened. And everybody knew that's not what happened. What actually happened and what came out at this hearing that I went to for him was that there was this bigger drug dealer was actually the one that was involved. But once they realized that they had already charged my client and two other guys, they literally had a GPS tracker on this kid's car because he was um, on federal probation. So when they finally got that, they had already charged them and they already had witnesses that said one thing. They can't change it at that point because- then they have no witnesses that are going to be credible because that is the story. Like you can't, when you are, when you charge somebody, you have a choice, you have a choice about how you want to charge them. For, so for Casey Anthony, they could have charged her with 10 different types of murder. They chose that one type. And so then they built a story around it to change the story would affect how they could prove their case and they would have been fucked. So once you, once you choose a story, you got to run with it. And so I literally, I was like, how can this kid be sitting in prison for life when what you're saying he did, you're saying he pulled the trigger, and the reality is, somebody, you guys know someone else pulled the trigger, he was just involved, or he was there, but they,
0: How do you defend that when you know that it's a lie? Like, how do you, even though it's the story that you're supposed to go with, how, how do you not decide, hey, look, the fuck up, this is actually what it is? That's what
1: I asked his as lawyer, because I, so I cross examined lawyers, and most of them are old white men and they, they hate, fucking hate me yeah
0: like, they oh they gotta fucking hate, hate me they've got to
1: you. um i have a nickname in tampa i was in court a couple of years ago and this guy came up to me and he wasn't much older than me but he was probably i'm 31 he's probably 40 and he said oh rachel the grim reaper is here and i was like what the fuck i go who's the grim reaper he's like oh that's your nickname you've been given that nickname here because when people see you in court, we know you're only back for one thing—to ruin someone's career or ruin their reputation. And I was like, well, if y'all would do your jobs, I wouldn't have to do this. So, hey, um, if you got a
0: nickname and it's a fucking green Grim Reaper, that's a badass nickname to earn.
1: And I mean, not the two-eyed horn. I'm like, when you're 31 years old, you're a female, and that's your nickname. It could be worse. Absolutely. I feel like I should be like an old haggard woman if that's what you're gonna call me, but nope. Thriving. this was a couple of years ago so but yeah I like cross-examined the shit out of them I'm like how can you sleep at night knowing that you knew this information he was like well if I had called this witness it would still would have incriminated our the client and I was like but it would have made all the other witnesses look like liars so they would the jury it's all about reasonable doubt it is all about reasonable doubt so if ever, these other three witnesses said I saw this guy shoot him And then you actually call the shooter and they say, yeah, I'm not, like, it just throws the whole narrative off. And that's reasonable doubt. Like, it's crazy to me. He couldn't give me a reason.
0: Yeah, I don't understand that. I feel like the truth is the truth, you know? Yeah. And, you know, even if you're supposed to be defending somebody or or whatever, it something else comes out, first of all, why can't you change, like, if somebody gets, I guess, first-degree murder? How come you can't go back and say, okay, we fucked up. It should have been second-degree or manslaughter
1: Well, so they can do that. So they can do that. And then so when you go to trial on those things, if you go to trial on first degree murder, the jury is going to get instructed on the other, the lesser included crimes too. Because so they could say, okay, we believe that Rachel shot that guy, but we think that she did it because she overreacted, not because she wanted him to die. So I wouldn't be found guilty of first degree murder. I would be found guilty of second degree murder. So it's all about which elements can the state or the government prove so they can, they can change the charges, but they can't change the storyline because then their witnesses, it won't add up. It just won't add up. I had a client who is, <laughs> I got him a new trial. He had a life sentence, um, but he's literally waiting because of COVID. He, this happened in 2000. He was with his cousin and another guy. They went to go do a drug deal. and went bad. A huge gunfight broke out. So it was three guys in one, one van, three guys in another van. A shootout happens. My client's cousin dies. My client gets shot in the stomach and his stomach explodes. He's in a medically induced coma for a whole year. And during that year, the people in the other van, one of them died. There was two living witnesses. And of course, they created a narrative that suited them because they didn't want to get in trouble for robbing these kids during a drug deal. And by the time my client woke up, they hadn't done any investigation. They just believed what these two kids said. And then they fit the crime to their story. Rather than investigating the crime like a normal, you would think you want the truth, this is where the system gets fucked up. And so I went to a hearing and I called experts, I called witnesses, and disproved their whole fucking case.
0: So fucking badass, dude. I'm so jealous right now. You have no idea. I'm so jealous.
1: It's it's hard. It's hard to go back and be like, okay, because obviously hindsight's always 2020. 20. The state always argues this is not Monday morning. You know, we can't, this is, we're not playing Monday morning quarterback. We can't go back and watch the videos and say that the quarterback should have done this. I'm like, well, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that any attorney in their right mind at the time would have done this differently because this makes no sense.
0: How much, uh, how much racism do you see as far as through the court? Team? Like, do you believe that it's, that it's a real deal? Yes. I think
1: when, When everything happened last year um, and I always say like, I feel like it like finally like exploded last year when the whole George Floyd thing happened. One of my clients. So I will say that probably like 75% of my clients are black and it's actually kind of funny and I'll just kind of divert. One of my clients just got out of prison and he came into my office recently and he was like, I got to tell you something. He was like, I thought that you were married to like a huge black man. And I was like, what? And he's like, because the way you talk, he's like, I would have never guessed because he's like, it doesn't make any sense. And I was like, well, I go, the fact that you would assume that he's like, I'm not trying to like be like weird about it. He's like, but he's like, it's just one of your good qualities. He's like, because I feel like you're so open to, you know, speaking with your clients like that. And I was like, because I just see how other attorneys and other people in the system treat and talk to them. That's why I try to level with them and like just be on the, being on the same page and that's just how I communicate with them that just made me laugh but I would say 75% of my clients are black when the whole George Floyd thing happened one of my clients I chose not to talk about it with a lot of people just because when it happened I, I genuinely was not surprised I was kind of happy and that sounds super fucked up because I was it was kind of that moment where I knew the rest of the world and the rest of the country would see what I see every single day. And so one of my Black clients asked me about it. He was like, you know, what's your opinion? I, you know, I know you're white. And I was like, duh. Like, we're not, we're not hiding. I'm not hiding that from anybody. And he straight up asked me. And at first, I was going to say, you know, I don't want to talk about it. But I told him exactly that. He started to cry. And we had like this like very heartwarming moment because I am from a town where I had two Black kids in my high school. I was best friends with both of them. I still am. And it is a town, a county, where I look at it now. And if you get arrested there and you're black, you're fucked. You get arrested and you're white, you're not. And there have been articles since all this happened where people who of two two male individuals, same age, same crime, same background, no priors, one is black and one's white. The sentence disparity is insane. I mean, you see it every single day, and people will say that you know it doesn't exist. But if you say it doesn't exist, it's just because you're not you're not looking for it, or you don't experience it, you don't see it on the regular. I see it every single day, even with witnesses, with jurors, with judges. I mean, it is it's in, it's crazy, and it's I I don't know if it'll ever go away, but it, it last was year was I think a big a big it was a big turning point because I think it just brought a lot more awareness to it. Like I said, I saw it all the time, so I was just kind of happy because I was hopeful that it would hope it would start a change, which I think it has a little
0: bit, but. Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't believe any of that shit until uh, I got locked up. And I just went to a Like, I stole some scrap metal, got a DUI. I was a piece of shit between 18 and 20. But when you get in there and you actually realize, it's like, hey, I got 60 days. And this guy across from me, was shoplifting, or whatever, he got a gear. Like, yeah. Uh, some shit just doesn't add up. and I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't, you know, I would hope that one day it would be fair and balanced. I don't know if there's a deal. Uh, but I, I just don't, I don't understand it. And I think it's cool that you go in there. I think it's really cool that you go in there. Because you did seem like a type just walk up to somebody. That's in prison or be like, look, you're fucked, dude? Right, you, you're I don't I, I don't bullshit. I'm like, yeah. you're so fucked.
1: And that's it's and it's crazy because it's not even just like what you just said, it's you would think it's so obvious. It's not even as obvious all the time. So it can be as and so like deep seated in a case where you have a client that's from a terrible neighborhood because he's in a black a poor neighborhood, like here in Tampa, there are several of them still. So I've had cases where I've argued that to a judge and I've said, listen, he's not like Joe who grew up in South Tampa and went to the best high school. that's private. He is from a terrible neighborhood. And when a judge decides not to even consider that fact, that is racism because that is a huge reason why they ended up where they are because they're not, I talk about it all the time. We talk about on our podcast of uh, the reason I'm not in prison. I mean, I did a lot of illegal shit. I talk about white privilege all the time because I am a white privileged little brat, and I think that if you can be honest and aware of that, then that's like the first, like the first step to admitting that you have a problem. I don't,
0: I don't, I don't think it's white privilege. I think it's money privilege. I think it, it's something—it's a having to have not. Uh, yes. I, I don't really think that it's when it comes to privilege. I, I, I just know from my point of view that. I, it's a it's a dead end road for most people to go in, but like I got lucky. I happened to have a family who put me up with a job when I got out of the detention center. And all this time, yep. it took two times. It took me going for sixty days one time and me going for ninety days one time. I have not been in trouble since like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But I've seen guys who were decent guys. Not the best fucking guys ever they committed a crime in the first place, but decent individuals. And yeah. they come out and they have nothing going for them. So you get put right back into, hey, am I going to starve or do I go sell a ACOP? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's unfair. I believe that the court system, uh, through all of the Department of Justice, that it should be where there should be a program to help first offenders. The first yep. time you fuck up, it should not matter if you Stealing, assault, whatever drug charges. Help that person send their ass to technical school while they're in there. Give them something to look for. Yeah. If, if you don't, then it's just a never driven cycle. And I think they want it to be a never given cycle to be honest
1: with you. I you could not have said that better than I could. I could not say I couldn't say that better myself because I tend to agree hundred percent. And you will love our podcast because my friend Adriana, she gets on that she gets on that soapbox. I don't have to bring her down. I'm like Get off the microphone. I'm like, we're done with this today. We're doing a whole episode on Ray soon. So,
0: now you'll have to text her when we get done with this. To tell her I want her all uh, in the next week or two because her being on death row is interesting.
1: I will tell you, though, there's a lot of stuff she can't talk about. She works for the state. Um, the state, so death row, that's the one that's like the weird part. So, if you're on death row in Florida, you have a constitutional right, obviously, to have a post conviction lawyer. If you're not on death row, even if you have a life sentence, which I will say seventy five percent of my clients have life sentences, you don't have the right to have me. You have to hire me. So she gets appointed to clients on death row. They don't pay her. She works for the state. And it's just crazy because I mean, I know that death and life uh, uh, death death penalty and a life sentence are different. and we talk about that a lot on their show, but it's just crazy that. A lot of them, that's why I say they're helpless too, because a lot of them don't have the money to hire somebody like me. I mean, I ain't cheap.
0: So if you're poor and you can't hire an attorney, even you your like if you're in that situation.
1: I mean, you can file shit on your own or you can hire a jailhouse lawyer, but good luck.
0: Uh, see, I always think that, uh, and not knocking any of y'all if you're listening to this right now, that are is a public defendant. But I just, I can't take a public defendant
1: seriously. Ooh, I'm going to differ with you about that.
0: Really? <laughs> So
1: I'm making TikToks about this because think about it like this: a public defender, somebody who makes, okay, let's let's be let's be generous, fifty thousand dollars a year. You have private defense attorneys who make anywhere from a hundred to five hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay, I'm talking like day ones to. I mean, some of them make a fucking million. I don't even know. I don't even know. But the people who choose to make shitty money are the people who actually. Most of them care so much more about their clients and care so much more about the system and trying to fix it. Because why else would you stay at the public defender's office? Why else would you literally make no money? I will tell you that I have more clients that I find that I argue their attorneys were ineffective that are private that were paid. Really? Yeah. Yep. Which is crazy. The only time a public defender normally is ineffective is if they have too many cases and they just don't have the time for it, which has happened. I'm not gonna sit here and say they're perfect because they're not, and there is of course. A bad apple in every barrel. I get it, but for the most part, they are the more dedicated of the two.
0: I I see where where that makes sense with this thing. because it does, it does make perfect sense. But around here, I'm telling you, and I, I'm in small town Georgia. I'm not in Atlanta. I'm not in Macon. I'm not in Atlanta. I'm in backwoods pass, Georgia. The public defendants that we have, they're usually like when you see them or you talk to them, they don't give a shit about. You. And but yeah, it's also sucks. I feel like a bunch of them though, are just all right in a situation like that. Do you have to have so many hours or whatever before you can try to work for a bigger firm, or is it just if you're good you get hired by a big firm? If you're not, you got to go whatever route. You can
1: do. I mean, it all the lawyer answer. It all depends. Um, it just I mean, a lot of like the big firms. I got lucky my, my, my path is not the normal path. So I always say that to people because like, Oh my God, your job is so awesome. I'm like, this is not the normal. Normally I, so I go against all like old white men. I'm the youngest person in my specific feet, like in my specialty because it just doesn't happen like that. You have to get experience. Normally I was in a situation where I had to sink or swim and I got, when I got hired finally as a lawyer, but most of the time, again, some people start the public defender's office or the state attorney's office because they want experience. And it's easy experience because you have a hundred clients at once and some of them want to go to trial. Some of them don't. And you're in a courtroom constantly. So you are gaining way more experience than someone like me that, you know, didn't go to court would go to court a couple times a year. My law partner still says so to this day, she wishes that she could go back in time and start, either at the public defender's office or the state attorney's office just to get the experience because it's, it's invaluable. But if you want to go to a, f- a private firm like mine, there is no like hour requirement. A lot of people will say it's the public defender or the state attorney's office for like three years and then they'll switch over to private because and they do have the experience. And the better you are, the better the firm is. you'll probably end up at and they'll come and watch you in court. But there is no like specific hour requirement that you need to have or, you know, if you do this, you'll get in with this good firm. I, I'm the perfect example, I
0: think. I know nothing about you as far as like your legal career, but I can tell you're a fucking shark. If I if I was somebody who wanted to, all right, whatever. I'm obviously never gonna be a fucking lawyer, but if I own my own practice, I'd be like, I need. It. Like you can tell, you you've got shark written all over your face.
1: Yes, I went to my middle school. We were the sharks, so I just carried that with me for the rest of my life. I don't know, it was middle school.
0: Do you think that you get treated a certain way or? Or deal with any like sexism or whatever because you're a woman and you're younger by these older, uh, older
1: attorneys. <laughs> so, you know, that's actually the first like law video that of mine that ever went viral. I, I really did like a lot of like fashion for like a while. I was like, oh, how lawyers dress, and I still do that because I don't give a shit.
0: Oh, by the way, you look, um, great, look okay.
1: thanks. A1. A1. <laughs> so, I I cannot tell you. I cannot count my fingers, my toes, you know, the dollars in my bank account how many times I've either been underestimated or judged or diminished because I am a number one, a woman, and number two because how young I am. Because even at 31, I will say I look the same as I did even when I was started when I was 24. But when I was 24, I had clients, even my clients, I went and met with this older black gentleman. I literally walked into the jail and he had never met me before. We talked on the phone for like two years. And when I walked into the jail, he literally looks at me. He put his hand on the table and he goes, you are fucking young. And I looked at him square in the eye and I go, you are fucking old. I go, are we done? I was like, are we done? And he's like, oh shit. Okay. Forgot. Sorry. Um, but one of the first TikToks I ever made, I had gone back to court right after COVID. Like we started to go back to normal in Florida last year. And I walked into the courthouse and mind you, this is after seven years, oh, six years of practicing already. I'm a partner at my firm. My name is on the fucking door. So I'm not just like some baby lawyer that's like carrying, like stumbling into the courthouse, like scared of shit. No. That's so why I walk into the courthouse and I go through security and the bailiff at the security is like, oh, do you know, where you're going. And I was like, post COVID. I was like, oh, I was like, which courtroom is just Judge Smith in, whatever his name is. And they were like, oh, it's on the second floor, but court reporters, Court reporters don't have to go to court yet because there's still 30 minutes till the door is open. And I look at him, I go, well, it's a good fucking thing. I'm not a court reporter, sir. It's a good thing. I'm a partner in my law firm because goddamn, he, I swear, he almost dropped dead. And this, that's happened to me so many times. So I made, I, I laugh when you said the whole, like that guy that rapped on the commercial because I made a rap. I made a little jingle. It wasn't really a rap, but I was pissed. And oh, this trend was, was going on.
0: What was, it? What
1: was it? Um, <laughs> I'm not going to like wrap it, but I will say it. It was.
0: Okay. But I'm a cr- okay.
1: I'm a criminal lawyer. Defending's what I do. Like men in this profession, women can defend too. If you see me walk in, please do not ask me if I'm a court reporter just because I'm not a he. So and that uh, one went that's viral. So good. And that's the, that's the video though, that, that tempted that little troll to call my office because I flicked off the camera at the end. Um, And of course, you know, people are like, oh, this never happens. But the number of comments from men and women that are like, I'm sorry, if you're not a female lawyer in this world, then you have no fucking say because you have no idea what it's like. I have been asked if I'm the defendant. I've been asked if I'm a witness, if I'm the victim advocate, I have been asked everything else besides a lawyer. I have had judges I can tell you that this has never happened to a man. I've had judges ask me in front of my clients on the record, how long have you even been practicing, man? Like, what? I've had older prosecutors put their hands on me, men, like, get in my face. Like, my managing partner had to literally remove this man. Oh, <laughs> this is several years ago, because now I would just punch him in the face. Um, but back then, I was just, like, a, I was so afraid to, like, uh, like, ruffle anyone's feathers or go against anybody. So that's why I stopped wearing like black and navy to court. And that's why I wear pink and red because I just like have to piss people
0: off now. All right. Obviously, you know, you can't say any names because you're actual, right, you know, fucking the wall way better than I do. Why did they put their hands on you? And how did they put their hands on you? Like, in what manner?
1: Mm. Okay. <laughs> this person. Hmm. He is a, I I call him a lifer. There are certain people that are, you know, they were born for certain positions and he was born to be a prosecutor. And I get that. That's great. He believes in his cause so much that he can make himself cry, fake cry. And I was doing a proceeding with him. And mind you, this was going on for several years. And the judge that we had, in my opinion, was also sexist because he would literally tell me, Miss Reese, you should ask hmm, Mr. Mm, after court to explain to you how to handle this type of matter, because he's clearly more seasoned than you. <laughs> and again, if this happened now, I would probably get in trouble because I would probably say something that I shouldn't. But um, during the final proceeding with this case, it was very tense. It was a lot of a lot of emotions. It was a death. It was a gang stuff. It was just a lot. It had been like a lot buildup and he hated my client so much because this is the case that came back. Long story short, we took a recess so the judge was not in the room. The judge was not in the courtroom and a lot of people had left the courtroom and it was just the prosecutor, myself, and one of our experts and my law partner, my managing partner who is a male. And I can't remember what we started talking about. We started arguing and he is, he is surprisingly taller than me, which doesn't happen a lot because I'm five foot nine and when I wear heels, I'm like six foot one but he was taller than me and he was like looking down at me and he was screaming at me. I don't know. I can't remember what we were talking about, but it escalated very quickly. And I was like, Oh fuck. No. So I raised my voice back because at that point I was so heated. We had been there all day and he literally put, took his two hands and put them on the top of my arms. And I swear. So my law partner is way shorter than me. And he came up and was like, if you don't back the fuck off, I will literally be calling the Florida bar tonight and reporting your ass. And when I tell I mean, it was just, I could not believe it. And this is not the first time that I've heard this about this person. I, the girl I did the podcast with, she's I've had similar experiences. So.
0: I've got to know, because it, it, it's like one of the things we talk about on our show a whole hell of a lot. What is a, uh, as far as your dating life goes, You've got to be, like, the dominant one in the right? Mm-hmm. You seem like – the reason <laughs> I say that is you seem like the type 100% that if me and you got into it, that I would be like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just bowing down. I'm backing off because I don't want none of your hate. You seem very aggressive.
1: Um, I will say when I – I <laughs> – you're asking me about my personal life. I don't really talk about that, but I will for you. I will for you. Cause I also got that question today. So I was, I was married to a lawyer. I still am married to a lawyer. I met, we met in law school. Um, We are separated right now, but he, he and I had a very mature relationship because we just, again, he was a lawyer. So the way that we would argue was very like mature. And that sounds again, cool. I didn't,
0: that it was sounds, horrible. That sounds like
1: the worst thing ever to be Yeah. But it was kind of, it was just very mature though. Like, but but also we didn't want to argue when we got home because we had argued all day. Um. But I will say, in my other relationships, and just like in life in general, m- people have told me that I am definitely more the more aggressive one because I know how to argue. They, my mom told me, do not lawyer me, Rachel. Do not lawyer me, and I tell her I don't know how. I don't know how I'm not. I that is who I am now. So I tell everybody, I'm like, just prepare yourself. And I'm working on it. I'm in therapy. We're in therapy. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be less of a lawyer as like my persona and be more, you know, understanding and have healthier conversations rather than just be a fucking asshole because I will be. You can't be.
0: People, people like you, and all the reason I say this because I'm the same thing. I, I'm the same exact way you said. It. The just but uh, I'm the saying why well, You can't get rid of it. You can't. It's, 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 it's. I think it's what makes us. Like, yeah. I think us being aggressive and having that fire when certain topics come up, or us being passionate about certain things, I think is what makes us us. True,
1: and I feel like the per like I feel like the person you're supposed to be with will find that attractive. I'll
0: let uh-huh. you know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. Not hitting on you or nothing. But it's hot. It is. I like not <laughs> I'm not supposed to be partying right now. I'm sure that uh somebody that works here with me is fixing to send me a text list and tell me shut the fuck up. But You're like, oh! yeah. <laughs> cut him off. Yeah, cut him off. and done drinking much. Uh no, it is cool though, but there's something special about somebody that actually states their mind. That doesn't shoot a coach ship, that actually doesn't feed around the bush or anything like that.
1: Definitely get you in trouble a lot more, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, but everybody knows what we stand You never have yeah. to wonder about where we stand. One of the worst things in life is what is, are wondering about another person's attention. When you deal with folks like me and you, you don't have to worry about them. All you very know true. what you're going to fucking get, even if you don't like it, at least know what we saying
1: That's very true. And I feel like for a long time, like once I And that's kind of like one of the stigmas of being an attorney is when, you know, you have to follow these rules, which they are very, very strict that I was, I was afraid for a really long time to be honest about how I felt about certain things, because I was always afraid that I would get in trouble or I would piss off someone that, you know, would be judging a case that I was on. And then finally, I was like, you know what, none of that stuff should actually matter because if it's just about the facts of my case or the law, then what I'm wearing should not matter. And if it does to them, then fuck you. If, you know, you're worried because I'm young, that's not my problem. That's your problem. And hopefully, eventually, just like racism, all that stuff will resolve itself. But I'll let you know, because I have not seen an end in sight for that, those things.
0: Would you consider yourself a toxic person? A what? A toxic person. Uh. You, yep, yeah. it, There it. Goes. I agree. I agree. Yep. I'm toxic as fuck.
1: I've been told I'm toxic a lot too. My therapist has told me I'm toxic. It's fine.
0: You, uh, you take tequila shots in Florida.
1: Yes, and at my house, and I don't make a face, and I don't even do them chilled. Oh goddamn! Yeah, I'm like, toxic I'm, uh, as fuck.
0: I'm, 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 I'm toxic as shit. I'm moving to Florida too. you <laughs> shit out of this woman. Uh, <laughs> last, last question. Last question. So wanted when we were talking about cases while ago, I should have brought it up. But it's uh it's my favorite unsolved case of all time, and uh, I want to know wh- where you stand on it. What do you think? Is, uh,
1: what if I don't? What if I
0: don't know it?
1: Yeah. Oh, the brother.
0: The brother. Yeah. I think the brother. I think the brother was jealous of everything, and I think the father.
1: For sure, the and then the parents and the parents covered it up. I will say I, I did a video once I curled my hair with this tiny curling iron and I it was it was a crude joke but again I don't have a filter sometimes I fucking forget that people might take it the wrong way I was like oh my gosh my hair looks like John Benet Ramsey would look like if she was like my age and oh the people fucking came for me in the comments they were like of course you know the majority of people are like you are being so sensitive like it was it was just like a thought like right it was just like i thought out loud too soon probably but then uh, people would ask me they asked me my opinion 100 percent the brother all day i, mean,
0: I, mean, I always thought that it was the brother because it was killer or it was the father of
1: the yeah that's what i thought too and then i was like but then the mom like i don't know man you gotta be a piece of shit like to like i don't know That's. i mean but you never know i don't know it could be either
0: who was it that the mom already died from my brain cancer
1: yep Yep. And now it's just, I'm sure the dad and the brother are just sitting at home like, God, hell, we in the clear. So, Nobody's ever going to know. I mean,
0: that, that's the one that I just wish for everybody, not just me, but on their deathbed. Just I know. Just to go ahead and say, Fuck up. it was me. This is what happened. Y'all don't have to worry about it
1: anymore. I got to Or on the dad's deathbed, if he was like, it was my son. <laughs>
0: But what? All right, so I don't know this. What would be like a statute of limitations on that if that did happen?
1: Murder? Like, there is no statute. No. No, there's not. But he meets on his deathbed. They're not, they're never gonna be able to charge him because.
0: father thought it said father on his deathbed. His brother.
1: I mean, there's no other evidence to link the brother really. So I mean, you could get that statement in as like a hearsay, because that pain is like a dying declaration, it's getting all legal on me right now. But. It would be hard to corroborate that. There's no way they could prove it beyond
0: reasonable doubt. I'm just letting you know right That's now. I did not know that I found a uh, talk. Like how you just said that is <sighs> the coolest shit ever. Like I want to hear you talk more about law. I've watched so many. <sighs> My favorite movies <laughs> to watch are those uh, uh, lawyer movies. I fucking
1: I hey, have watched every show. People are like, oh, you still watch those shows? I'm like, fuck yes, I do. And I yell at the goddamn TV.
0: What's your favorite? I'm like hearsay. i like you can't say that. What's your favorite attorney movie? Called?
1: Attorney movie?
0: All right, lawyer movie. whatever. about Lincoln they, lawyer. Uh, meant to be,
1: Dude, I am I am Matthew McConaughey. Like I just need me a driver now. That's cool as fuck. Yeah, I, <laughs> that I, is I, me.
0: I fucking got you on very cheap. Uh, okay. I, I will do whatever you okay. need to do. Today. I'll beat up guys. All right.
1: For you. I'll just pay you in I'll pay you in whiskey.
0: You're talking dirty to me now, uh. But no, Rachel, I appreciate it. This has been a uh, great. I had a lot of fun with you. And uh, drop your stuff one more time, and y'all make sure to check out the podcast. Uh, if it's anything like this one today, you're <sighs> it You're badass. Is. You're a badass.
1: <laughs> so the podcast is called We Fucking Descent. <laughs> um, but it's we, <laughs> the the. It's we, and then fucking is f, and then a little asterisk. And then the rest of the word, which I'm actually getting that. I'm finishing my half sleeve on Saturday and it's going to say I fucking dissent. You my mom's going to kill me. Up
0: too. Are you really tatted up too?
1: Oh, I'm right? hold on, hold on. Yeah, okay, well,
0: I'll
1: wait, show you. So, so, also, my TikTok is Rach Reese, R E S E, and then the number three, and then my Instagram is Rach E. Period, Reese R E S E again. Don't like that's not how it's spelled. So if you know me and you're looking my shit up by my name, you're not gonna fucking find me. So yeah, that's it. That's all she wrote.
0: Added good Hold on, I'm
1: coming. I'm coming. I'm right a looking,
0: on.
1: This isn't, is it's a new thing though. So it's not like, you know, I, everyone's like, oh, you're going through a midlife crisis. I'm like, no, it's like my court, my, my third life crisis. Oh, oh that's bad. That's- the lawyer chat.
0: Is that Justice LeBlanc? Yep. Oh, fuck yeah.
1: So so right here I'm getting a sword for the swiftness of justice, and then it's going to say, I fucking dissent, and then it's going to have one of my favorite uh, citations underneath it.
0: God, I wish I was just the <laughs> hot. There's no way in hell I am. Right, Stop this, it. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> oh, you're a badass, and uh, I appreciate it. you keep doing you. You are a uh, this was a lot better than I thought it was. Going to be. I thought it was going to be good anyway. But you're just a fucking Viking
1: boy. You're a badass. Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad that I exceeded your expectations.
0: How often do I hear? That. And
1: I wasn't even drunk. I'm sober, y'all. This is crazy. I, I know see, it's weird. You ever want to do a drunk episode? I'd
0: love to. Hear Yo, what you have to
1: say careful. I'm gonna get mm, then. I really get in trouble. This is me unfiltered sober, unfiltered drunk Rachel. That's podcast shit. On mine, so we are gonna have to have you come on ours.
0: I just let you know, I'm always down for an educated conversation without alcohol. yes All right, folks. Well, thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. I will catch y'all next time.